Hello, welcome to Learn It From a Layman. Carl Christensen, I'm back with Cameron and Matt and Johnny and no Tim. So uh, we'll have to do without that this evening. Uh, today we're going to be discussing the basics of DNA. So uh, as you could guess, uh, the expert, the layman expert, uh, well, not even a layman, Johnny. Johnny's going to be discussing uh, DNA, and we're going to be uh, handling some of the layman questions that uh, I've come up with. So, Johnny, your background, I, once again, you're, I think the listeners all know you're a doctor, but you have a, you have a degree in biology. Yeah, a bachelor's degree in biology. Nice. So, with that That's background, like so then, oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> that seems like so long ago. That's right. Well, medical school makes you age very quickly, from what I hear. <laughs> um, okay, so let's just get right to the bit. The, the DNA stands for what? Yeah, just a scientific word for the structure of it, deoxyribonucleic acid. So deoxyribonucleic acid, right. Yeah, it basically is just... Um, talking about the structure of what is included within DNA. Um, so it has um, a ribonucleic acid, but it has, it, it's missing one oxygen. So then you have deoxy ribonucleic acid. Um, and yeah, like the, I, I don't know how interesting this will be to our listeners, but there's several things that um, compose um, the DNA. So it's the deoxyribose, which is a sugar, and then there's a phosphate group, and then there's a nitrogen-containing base, and the base is what is what pairs together um, to make that cool double helix structure so the bases from one strand and the bases with the other strand will pair together and make that double helix structure okay so just when i've got out of this it's not named after a guy named helix correct okay and it's okay. not after felix the cat and somebody just spelled it wrong either <laughs> okay okay good i'm glad <laughs> uh it was discovered by crick Crick, is that right? Yeah, so there's two. Um, no, no, no. The lady the actually found it before Watson and Crick. That is that is true. There's, there is some. Um, so basically, there's this. There's a way to be able to view very small structures in a in like a bigger space. They use. Uh, crystal chromatography, I believe, where they will crystallize a structure and then based on the way the crystal forms of that structure, um, they can use fancy math and stuff. Um, and stuff means I don't really understand how they do it, but they, they will be able to um, delineate what the structure is at very small levels, like the DNA level. Um, so this, this lady, Cameron, do you remember her name? I don't remember off the top of my head. 
No, I'm trying to think, but she, yeah, did the Rosalind Franklin. Yeah, Rosalind. That's it. So she um, was basically on this, um, in this field where she was using the, the crystallized structures to figure out very small structures. And um, she had taught Watson and Crick how to do it. And uh, I don't remember the entire story of it, but yeah, it was, it's, it's a little bit shady who was first and who wasn't, but Watson and Crick are, uh, are mainly named for it, but she was uh, very influential in the structuring of the, like figuring out the structure of DNA as well. All right. And this was in the 1950s, correct? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Well, based on my quick Google search, <laughs> Uh, the the layman's wrench, you know, the uh, go-to tool, um, is uh, the 1950s. So this is all pretty recent, um, which probably will give me uh, some of the answers to the questions I'm going to ask you here in the near future. Um, but uh, pre-DNA, did we just not have any idea what uh, how cells did what they did? Um, so there, there were, um, I'd have to, I, my bio biology history is not the strongest, um, but there, there were some ideas about that. There is some type of substance that controls what is passed on from one, um, like one person to another or one animal species to another or one plant species to another. Um, but they didn't really figure out that it was DNA until, uh, until later on uh, from what, from what I remember. Sorry, that's okay. probably, that might be. No, totally that's good. We don't need to spend a long time in history. That's good enough for me. Uh, just wanted some basic oh, background. I, I said uh, x-ray chromatography, but it was actually x-ray diffraction. Um, that they uh, used to figure out the structure of the DNA. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, so we've got these yeah, strands right. of DNA. Where, where does DNA live in a cell? So it depends on the type of cell. So if you're talking about our cells, like um, animal cells, DNA lives inside the nucleus. So the nucleus is like the blue, holds all the blueprints of the cell, which are contained within the DNA. Um, and it, will, it has instructions on, you know, how to carry out different functions in a cell. And certain things can be turned on, certain things can be turned off, but it's all held within the nucleus. Um, and, you know, you have to be able to send those blueprints out um, to the cell to be able to do certain functions and make certain proteins and different machinery of the cell. And so that um, will get sent out of the nucleus as a copy, but it will be RNA. So it will have that oxygen on there. It's no longer deoxyribonucleic acid. It, it's um, ribonucleic acid. That's sent out of the nucleus. But the DNA is always contained within the nucleus, except at a specific time when a cell is dividing. Otherwise, it's always in the nucleus. Okay, and then some process in the cell makes this RNA, which is a, a copy of the information on the DNA, and that's what gets transported. Exactly. So okay. that that is called transcription. So they're taking, you know, one one piece of language and 
it's very similar. Like RNA is very similar to DNA, um, like those structures, but it's only single stranded, and uh, and it's missing that that or sorry, it has that extra oxygen group, um, and it gets degraded pretty quickly. It's not quite as stable as DNA. Um, and it's uh, it's more easily used um, than DNA, so that's why that gets gets used. And then that RNA will be um, translated into a protein. Um, so the that RNA will code for different amino acids in a certain specific order that will get put all together and make you know, a protein. And that's basically what your whole body is. Uh, basically, the whole reason your body functions, why your cells run is by various proteins and their functions and their different affinities for different molecules and all that sort of stuff. So proteins run the world. They really do. Um, and they're, there's very, they're very diverse, a lot of different kinds. And uh, we could probably spend another podcast just talking about proteins. Proteins, yeah um basics of protein sounds like a like uh you know muscle man type episode uh the people would go (laughs) okay the real question though so if when you're bitten by a radioactive spider how does the information get copied into your cells so it's kind of like the covid vaccine and i'm just (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's very controversial that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> okay okay all right i mean i've seen the beginning of spider-man i know that it, you know that somehow that this spider dna just gets spliced in that you know because you see the double helix anyway all right we can move on past that um <laughs> Carl, but i know what it is it's uh dna helicase <laughs> yes. that's how it gets in there <laughs> Yeah, it's got the helicase. <laughs> yes, DNA helicase. Because okay. it unzips your genes. That's what That's it does. That's right. Okay. Um, <laughs> it unzips your genes. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Okay. So this is good. Um, now, the uh, inside who, the nucleus. Who knew, DNA, who knew DNA could be so racy? <laughs> Uh, okay, we're now back inside the nucleus. Um, and what? It's where it's safe. It's safe. Exactly. Inside. Yes. If we're back, I've got, we've gone home. Um, the uh, is DNA all in one long strand? What? Uh, what's you know? So we got a double helix, but is it stored in one strand? Are there multiple strands? How is it organized? Okay. That's, well, that's a good question. So. Uh, remember how I was saying that different types of cells um, contain different types of DNA? I've mainly talked about human cells and DNA, right. um, but something that's interesting to think about is also bacteria and viruses. Um, bacteria do not have a nucleus. They're, their DNA just is inside their cytoplasm. So it's just the cytoplasm is the jelly inside the cell that's inside the, um, the membrane. And uh, the DNA just floats freely in there. Um, In bacteria, the DNA is a continuous loop. Um, They also can take in little tiny pieces of DNA as well and and store them. 
and uh, and they can pass copy them and pass them on to each other. And that's uh, one of the ways you get like antibiotic resistance is one um, bacteria will have what's called a plasmid or a small section of DNA that allows it to make a protein so that it is resistant to a certain antibiotic. And then it will pass that plasmid around to other cells. And when it divides, it'll copy that plasmid and put it in the in its progeny or the next cells that it makes. And those cells will be um, resistant to that antibiotic as well. So anyway, that's kind of an interesting aside. But um, is, that, is that how you get viral mutations as well? Yeah, so viral mutations work a little bit differently. So bacteria and viruses tend to um, mutate faster because they don't have the same type of machinery that we have to repair mistakes in the DNA. In fact, viruses, they don't have any, and that's what allows them to make such big changes and uh, become different variations of the same virus very quickly. I mean, it's not like, you know, like every year we have a different strain of flu virus because of the um, because of the different various mutations that have happened within the genes. Um, you don't see every year different types of humans coming out. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's some, so we keep our, the integrity of our DNA um, very closely because when things start to go wrong with that, it leads to, um, you know, like cells dividing out of control and things like that, which can be, you know, which can cause cancer. Um, so our DNA is very, it's really important to keep in, uh, certain structures and it's very important to repair it while it's being copied to make sure that it remains stable. Whereas in a bacteria, you know, they might divide every 20 minutes or so. Um, and they, they are allowed to make more mistakes because, you know, the, they're, if one cell line doesn't make it, then the next one can, um, you know, so they, there's just so many of them um, and they grow so quickly and divide so quickly that they can handle not having like a perfect repair system. Although some bacteria do have um, a good repair system, not quite as good as eukaryotes. Eukaryotes are like um, animal cells um, and, uh, and plant cells also will uh, repair their DNA. Um, but viruses, yeah, they like thrive on not um, copying things correctly. And uh, and the the more messed up it gets, the, it doesn't really matter. There's going to be, you know, a million viral particles that get released from a certain cell. And if, you know, even half of those aren't virulent, uh, it doesn't matter to that virus. That's still it's still made a, a lot of virulent um babies i guess you could call them <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a uh, middle school baby. yeah one of those sounds like middle school math yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly if you have a if you have a penny and you double it every you know one second isn't that better than having a hundred dollars every minute anyway something like yeah. that yeah um, well i was just thinking so, middle school students throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks oh yeah but, yeah <laughs> that too uh, and then so you were okay. asking 
Original see. question, how the strands of DNA inside the nucleus. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, so inside uh, like a, an animal cell or a human cell, the, the nucleus stores all the DNA, and it's stored in there in kind of a haphazard, you know, like mess of spaghetti. Um, it's it's organized in a way, though, there are certain proteins called histones that will help organize the DNA. Um, so if you think like your skin cell has the same DNA as your brain cell, but those cells are very different in what they do. So there's going to be certain sections of DNA that's turned off, and there's certain sections of DNA that are going to be turned on. So um, depending on what's on and what's off will determine the type of cell that is being, you know, made or is functioning in the way that it is. So, uh, so these histones will ten tend to wrap up areas that aren't functional um, and then leave the other parts that are more functional to be copied um, more freely. So they it's able you're able to compact this very complicated strand of these there's strands of dna um uh and keep them you know organized within this within the nucleus so humans have 23 pairs of dna um called chromosomes so you have 23 chromosomes that came from dad i should say most people um <laughs> right right so um and um, these chromosomes, you 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 got 23 from mom and 23 from dad, um, and they're very similar in one through 22. Number 23 is the sex chromosome. So boys um, or people that are born male have an X and a Y, and uh, people that are born female have an X and an X. Um, and that so that determines the gender as the 23rd chromosome. Um, and when your cells replicate, um, these actually these loose this loose DNA that can be copied and used and things like that become rolled up really tight um, in, and condensed into a chromosome that you can actually see under a microscope. You can see the different chromosomes under the microscope. Um, and they'll all line up in the middle, um, all 46 of them. Yeah, and and then during cell division, they get pulled apart. So half will go to one cell, half will go to the other after all that DNA has been duplicated. So it makes an identical copy of the previous cell. Um, that's the, the way, it's called uh, mitosis. If you've heard of that. That's the yeah, way mitosis so. works. You make a... Uh, replica of the cell that um that is identical basically a clone right okay chromosomes was were one of my questions uh you said most people have 23 because there are genetic issues that where people do have an extra chromosome right uh, that is correct. So, um, so there's that. I think the most popular one that people will know of is Down syndrome. So that is called trisomy 21. So, trisomy means that you have an extra chromosome. So, tri. So you should have two chromosomes, but trisomy means you have three. Um, 
somi means body. So you have the three bodies of the 20, 21st chromosome. So chromosome 21 has an extra copy and that causes, you know, what we see as Down syndrome where people have the, um, you know, the down slanting eyes, they have like a single palmar crease, their ears can be like a little bit lower set. Um, and uh, and they, they usually have um, developmental delays and things like that. Okay, so that, like you said, that's one that I think everyone's familiar with and kind of understood that had something to do with chromosomes if they didn't have the specificity that you just gave us. There are probably other ones as well that maybe we don't know as well, but uh, there, I'm guessing that some chromosomal uh, issues would just result in, in cell death and just death, right? Yeah, exactly. So chromosome 20 so they're the, the the way that they're named the chromosomes are in order of size so chromosome one is the biggest chromosome y um, which is 23 is the smallest x is bigger but um they they just took the 23rd and made it x and y so one through 22 are really just ordered by size so 21 is a pretty small chromosome um, and when you copy a small chromosome, it tends to, you tend to be more functional than if you copy a bigger chromosome. So there's no, there's nobody that's alive that's a trisomy one or two or three or four, you know, like those, those don't survive. Yeah. Um, the trisomy 21 is, uh, is survivable, is survivable, which is why um, you see that one a lot more. Um, but these are just mistakes that are made during the replication, um, and um, it causes, you know, there's a lot of different things that can come from it. And, you know, we could get into genetics at some other time, um, sure. like there's an entire specialty based on genetics um, and different okay. Right. You know, different, th different things within that can go wrong in cell division and what that can cause and things like that. But some of the more popular ones that you might have, might have heard of is like Turner syndrome, which is where you only have one X chromosome, no Y. Um, and Kleinfelter syndrome, um, you know, some of these are a little more are a little more prevalent in the community. Although, like, I think there's a lot of people that live with these and we don't really know we like without being a medical professional you probably have no idea that this person might have some type of syndrome um you may think that they're a little bit different but you you wouldn't really be able to put your finger on it until you study some of the um some of the different you know trisomies and unisomies um that exist okay yeah i'm that's all very interesting. And like you said, it probably could be its own podcast. Um, going back, so we've discussed uh, all the, the organization of the DNA, and, and you said different chromosomes are larger and smaller. Just to give us an idea, though, so these, these, these DNA strands, these chromosomes, are uh, made up of, of these amino acids. Uh, how many, you know, so these are all encoded, like the in, in the DNA, it's got all these different amino acids, right? There's four different types of amino acid in DNA, right? Yeah, that's right. And how, like, how many amino acid to, uh, double you know, pairs are there in, like, the, the first chromosome? Um, so, like, chromosome... Like, millions, one, or...? 
yeah, millions. Uh, let's see. Um, so I am reading this. So chromosome one is the largest, and it's 220 million base pairs. So if you were to stretch it out in a in a line, it would be 85 millimeters long. You know, that's so that's, crazy. that's pretty impressive. You yeah. know, like this is this is a, a you know a macromolecule, but very very strong and uh, small nonetheless, and uh, and and pretty um, strong in the way it's built and able to withstand things for a long period of time. I mean, there's uh, it's pretty impressive uh, the how they're using DNA for like um, uh, to solve different crimes and things like that. Like the DNA actually can stay um, stick around for a very long period of time, um, years and years uh, without being um, corrupted just because of the way it's all formed. It's very interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's mind blowing how, how, all of these things work together um and, and just the size and the scale and and everything but so with the um with all these I, I guess before we move on with discussing dna just the idea that this is encoded information we talk a lot about encoding in this podcast before uh, i mean binary as far as computers go so this is just a different way to encode information is with these amino acids that's essentially what's going on right yeah, exactly. It's just a very poor coded system. <laughs> so right. if you think about it, like, I don't know, like, I don't know how much you probably know more the uh, stuff like this, but how much of the stuff on your computer is like never, ever used that's coded in within the system? Do you know off the top of your head? Not off the top of my head. No. But I mean, if you're like running a system that only uses 50% of like what's coded in there. That's probably like, you know, pretty low. <laughs> right. But right. DNA is like really, really low. Um, only 2% of the DNA is actually used um, to code uh, for, for proteins in your body. So that means 98% of it is just extra stuff. And and some of it, there's some theories that it's important for, um, for um, structure and things like that. But a lot of it just seems redundant and um, things that aren't really needed. So it's kind of, it's kind of crazy um, that there's that wow. much of the DNA that isn't ever used. It's just sits around in your cells and does nothing. I didn't. If I had known that, I'd forgotten. So that that is really interesting. That will take me, I guess, to my next question. So when we talk about um, the, you know, us ha sharing some like 98% of our DNA with like a chimpanzee or something like that, is it this non-functional DNA? Do we? Is that even something that we know? So that is. Um, they usually quote that in functional and non-functional. So. It, it's really a way to say we're more similar than what we, we might actually be. Um, so, so basically there's 98% that's like not being used and 2% that is being used. So you say that you're, you know, 99% similar in DNA to a chimpanzee or something like that, but really like 98% of that isn't being used anyway. So it's like 50%, you know what I mean? A functional right. DNA. And I'm sure that there's people that have studied it 
to where they've done some of these things where they think about which parts of the functional DNA um, uh, are similar and, and things like that. But it's, it's pretty impressive how much um, DNA in living organisms is very similar. Um, like the same type of machinery is being used for different types of animals and, and even, you know, um, plants and things like that. Like there's certain things that are very important to life that exist in every single types of type of species. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so a sibling, um, shared DNA between siblings. So there's, I mean, I've heard say that siblings are genetic copies of each other. I mean, that's, they're not clones of each other, but I mean, is it just the active DNA that's different in siblings or is it, uh, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. That's an interesting question. So, um, this gets a little bit into statistics, um, which, which is a little bit interesting as well. So, when your cells get ready to make gametes, gametes are um, uh, your sex cells. So eggs for females, uh, sperm for males. So you have, you, if a sperm had 23 pairs of chromosomes and it got together with another um, egg that had 23 pairs of chromosomes, you'd have two times as much chromosomes as you needed and that would be inviolable so you got to pare down the amount of dna that is in the sex cells so you do this through um something called meiosis okay meiosis is different because you start with a cell that has 23 pairs of chromosomes and at the end you have a cell that has 23 chromosomes no pairs so when that one gets together with the other, you know, if that sperm cell gets together with the egg cell and it has 23 chromosomes, now that cell has 23 pairs of chromosomes, okay? So the way that this happens is you get um, the, so the chromosome one, the copy that you get from mom, and chromosome one, the copy that you get from dad, will line up right next to each other. Okay, and one of them will be pulled into one cell and the other one will be pulled into the other cell. Okay, then chromosome two lines up the same way and one of them will be pulled into one cell. One of them will be pulled into another cell. Now, there's 23 of these. Okay, so it's, you know, you have a 50% chance of getting chromosome one from your mom and a 50% chance of getting chromosome two from your mom and a 50% chance of getting chromosome three I don't think I'm explaining this very well. Okay, so let me start over. So you have a 50% chance when the chromosomes align. So when when a person is making their sex cells, their mother's um, chromosome one and their father's chromosome one will line up next to each other. And the direction that they go, left or right, into whichever cell is being made, is done by random, okay? So you will have um, a mixture of parental DNA within your sex cells. So you might have chromosome one from mom, chromosome two from mom, chromosome three from dad, chromosome uh, four from dad, chromosome five from mom, and it, it's completely random of how that um, how that goes about, okay? So 
even even with that alone, the amount of combinations that you could have with uh, with 23, 23 pairs of chromosomes uh, in two different cells, because remember you're getting 23 from one sex cell and 23 from another, is you know okay. I, I don't remember what it is, but it's very big. Like there's, it's like a one. The chances that you'll be an identical sibling um, for another for a mom that's pregnant by the same uh, father is like impossible, basically. And that doesn't include something called crossing over, where when those chromosomes are lined up to each other, mom and dad chromosomes in the middle, they actually swap some DNA. So you may have a chromosome one that has most of mom's DNA, but it has a little bit of dad's DNA as well. So the amount of possibilities that you can get from um, meiosis is astronomical. Like there's no way that you can have an identical sibling unless you're a twin, <laughs> which is basically a clone. Right. A, okay. a, a maternal twin. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um... Okay, that's really interesting. Uh, now, this is probably also, so I, I did the Ancestry DNA test a year or so ago. I don't remember when it was. Maybe it was two years ago. Uh, the Ancestry DNA where you like, um, I, think, I don't remember what it is, saliva. I don't remember what they extracted from me. And uh, then they test it, and, and then they figure out what percentage of the DNA you're getting comes from various parts of the world, and then they can uh, map that in, or they map it obviously from your parents' DNA through to the different parts of the world that the DNA comes from. Um, and so mine shows that I'm, you know, uh, got a certain amount of Scottish and a certain amount of Danish and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it shows me which parent it comes from based on their DNA. So uh, I'm, we have all of this that it's pretty mapped out these days. Um, I guess my question here is, so we've understood now DNA for so 70 years, but mapping all this stuff out is only been done pretty recently, right? The mapping the human chromosome. Yeah. Um, so copying, even when I was in undergrad, so, you know, eight like even a decade ago, two decades ago, copying the entire genome, it was like, nobody's going to ever do that. There's no way. It's too slow. It's not going to be fast enough. It's going to take too long. We don't have the machines to do that. It's not in interesting enough. And now we do it all the time um, because the machines are, you know, so much faster and it's we're able to do that. Um, the way that they map out the DNA to different regions is usually done by um, the random, so random mutations in non-coding regions of DNA that have specific like repeats or something like that. They can see where a mistake was made and maybe everyone in Denmark has a mistake in the same spot. So they know that all those people came Dan from the, the Danish don't make mistakes, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, they do. Have you ever heard their language? <laughs> Sorry, all you Danes. <laughs> it does sound like you have a potato in your mouth. <laughs> oh, my word. Okay, well, you just lost us. Every one of the Danes that have been listening. 
Yeah, now the Swedes and the Norwegians are going to really jump on this, though. Oh, well, it's okay. We got more Swedes <laughs> and Nor- Norwegians to listen anyway. So. Oh, that's okay. Then. <laughs> um, okay. So, so, yeah, so they, they can map it to different areas based on the random mutations that are passed down from, you know, parents to children um, over time. These random mutations can be tracked back to different lines of DNA, which is very, very interesting. Um, I'd actually like to do my own um, to see how much Neanderthal I have. I think it's probably a lot. <laughs> Johnny, you're a doctor. I don't know <laughs> if there were Neanderthal doctors. So I think your prefrontal cortex is pretty well developed. Okay, by the time, by the time, you know, somebody had to break the bone for somebody to be like, I think I can fix that, right? <laughs> Yeah, but do you remember here like 100 years ago when they were still bleeding people because they figured that would help? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we share a lot of DNA with those people. So. Yeah, we do. Yeah, it's really it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. The amount Good of times. knowledge that we have is pretty incredible. Yep. Okay, um, let me take you back to something you mentioned earlier in the podcast but I think is really interesting. So um, uh, DNA mutations and uh, cause disease and in a lot of cases and something that a lot of people are familiar with is cancer. And that's an issue with DNA, right? Yeah, most of the time it's an issue with DNA. Um, so, you know, DNA codes for the RNA and then RNA makes the proteins, okay? And then proteins control the whole cell. So you have certain proteins that will tell cells to stop dividing. You'll have certain proteins that tell cells to divide. You'll have certain proteins that turn things off. You have certain proteins that turn things on. And uh, if you have, you know, the wrong blueprints to make those proteins, they're not going to function. And they're just going to be chewed up and found ineffective. So if you have a type of protein that tells cells to stop dividing that gets destroyed, then that cell's going to keep dividing with, you know, out of control. And as they divide, cancer is interesting because as usually it starts out as, you know, maybe one thing goes wrong and it starts dividing out of control. Um, but as it divides faster and faster, it gets less precise with all that editing that we were talking about and all that fixing the material and making sure that it stays correct. And then you start messing up other um, proteins that are important for, you know, the cell cycle and regulating the cell and making sure a cell dies when it's supposed to and like all these different types of things. And you get, it gets more and more and more out of control. There's also proteins that tell cells to stay within certain bounds. They're supposed to stay in a certain area. A muscle cell stays in the muscle and a skin cell stays in the skin. And um, the melanocytes, they stay in the skin. And when the melanocytes get into, you know, crazy duplication mode and stop, you know, obeying their boundaries and they can go to different places, they can divide and travel up into the brain or, different organs. Um, and we call that metastasis where a cancer starts in one place. And then this cancer, these, as these cancer cells divide, they get less and less 
precise on what they're doing, and then they're able to invade tissues, um, which is, you know, obviously worse than a cancer that is contained. So, but yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. All has to do with DNA and different mutations. And the people that are in oncology nowadays that take care of cancer patients, there's a lot of genetic testing that they do to try to figure out exactly which chemotherapy regimen is going to work well um, for, uh, for their specific cancer. Uh, and, And I think, you know, like, I think we have a lot more information now than we know what to do with. Like we can replicate the DNA and we can see exactly which mutations they have. But I, I think a lot of times we still don't know exactly what to do with that information. Like we have it, but we're still behind on, um, you know, how do we use that to our best benefit? Right. Yeah. And so uh, I know that people are starting to try to figure out how they can, you know, make edits to dna and uh so the crispr technology right that's an example of where they're trying to essentially live edit dna inside cells right yeah and there are successful um dna um editing um things uh let me see um there's a type of I think it's called spinal muscular atrophy. I'll have to go back and check myself. If anyone's listening to this that is a geneticist, I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> but they, they're they missing um, some parts of their DNA, and they're able to um, uh, get those into the cells that are affected, and then the people have like a normal life. So it's very effective for things like this is in the nervous system and your like your your brain and spinal cord and nerves you're not really replicating those cells so you get the dna in and or like a you know like i was talking about those little segments of dna mm-hmm. that the bacteria pass around you get a virus to deliver one of those segments of DNA to all those cells in the body that do that thing. And they're going to make that protein. And then they're going to, you know, have a functional cell at that point because they were missing that protein before or a functional copy of that protein. So it works well for cells that aren't dividing, but cells that are dividing, you put in that little plasmid and it gets lost in replication. So like a skin cell, for example, that's not, you know, that it's going to divide a million times in the next month. I don't know exactly how many times, but a lot. Um, it's not quite as effective. Um, so they're, they're, still, they're still doing some things, but it, it, it does look like a very promising way of uh, taking some of these very, um, you know, these diseases that have terrible prognoses and making them much better and giving people more of a normal life um, just based on the study of the DNA, the RNA, the protein structures, um, and what can we do to get those into the cell. Yeah, and that's all just like forefront of medical resource, research right now, right? That's a lot of what's going on in, in oncology and, and things like that as well. Yeah, exactly. Like there's, um, you know, you can make, 
you can basically make a cell line that will target certain types of cells, uh, like an immune cell, and you know they can put that in the body. And if it's targeting your cancer cells, then it kills the cancer cells. Um, you know, like there's things like that that are always, uh, you know, in the forefront and they're very interesting. So a lot of people read about them. It's not something that like everyone's doing and it's not something I have ever uh, like seen done. I've seen some of these things done, but um, but like a lot of the stuff that's super interesting, like, you know, CRISPR Cas9 and uh, th that's all still in research labs that they're doing a lot of that stuff. It hasn't made it quite to the public yet. Right. So no Spider-Man yet, but soon. <laughs> soon, soon. <laughs> Wolverine. So soon. when okay. is the point to when I can like 3D print my own body part and fix myself? <laughs> I don't know. That sounds awesome, though. I know that they're just on 3D printing. Um, like, I, I, a big thing that I've heard about is in, um, so there's two things in endocrinology, you know, diabetes, especially type 1 diabetes, where your pancreas isn't making insulin anymore. Can we make like a structure that will hold beta cells um, that we can just put into the body? Uh, that we can 3D print. And then also um, people that have had heart attacks and part of their heart dies, can we get new heart muscle to grow on, uh, you know, a 3D printed um, like uh, scaffolding and then, you know, use that as like a patch that would actually be like functional heart and things like that. So, you know, th these types of things are really cool ideas that uh, just aren't being used uh, right now, but something likely in the future that will be more commonplace. Okay, I've got two right. more questions. Oh, sorry. Wait, wait. I, I have one more. Why Why can't I just grow a clone of me and just keep it around for whatever you I can't. want? <laughs> did, you, did you say you can, Johnny? Yeah, go ahead, Cameron. We can always use a few more of you. <laughs> Uh, as so true there, as that there might is, be. What? Yeah, so that there are some problems with clones, um, and a lot of it has to do with um, with the way the genes are. This gets pretty complicated, but uh, um, just the way the genes interact based on whether they come from mom or dad is different in the body. Um, so cloning gets rid of some of those safety guards or I don't really know exactly what to call them but but things that are structurally and um, and important for the cell to keep on living normally and to have a an individual that's functioning normally um, it, like that hasn't been really figured out exactly how to do that so anyway. Your clone might end up being, you know, like a photocopy of a photocopy. Uh, <laughs> Not quite clear. We all, yeah, we all know what that looks like. <laughs> um, okay, stem cells. Stem cells are different in some way, but I'm unclear as to why they're different. And the, uh, does is their DNA somehow more enabled? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. 
So, um, so you have different types of cells in your body. Um, and some of them, they call it undifferentiated, which means that they can become several different types of cells. And you have some that are very well differentiated that have reached the final evolution within their chain of different types of cells that, you know, can happen and they're going to be that cell forever and ever. Um, like a neuron isn't going to revert back into and be like, I'm, I'm tired of being a neuron. I think I'll just try muscle today. Um, uh, that's, you know, that's, 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 that's a that's good what, thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens to, uh, happen to, uh, Barry Bonds though, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wasn't the steroids. Oh wait, wait <laughs> he didn't steroid. Wait, I don't know. No, no. was it him or Mark Breyer? Who knows? <laughs> um, so, uh, so if you have, everybody has cells in their body that are more undifferentiated that are back further, um, on this chain of changes that a cell can go through, um, to become, um, you know, a more, a cell that's more concrete, that's not going to change anymore. Um, and those cells are called stem cells. So the undifferentiated cells can become several different types of cells. Those are called stem cells. And, you know, really, like, your body started as one cell, right? Like, a sperm and an egg got together, and you were, at one point, you were one cell. Mm -hmm. And at that point, that cell had the potential to become every single type of cell in your body. Um, and it did. So it made a copy of itself and copies and copies and copies. And after a while, the groups of cells start to function in a certain way and will go off and differentiate into some type of, of material um, or some type of tissue. And then uh, a different type of different cell will do something different until you have a functional body. And there's a lot of very complicated signaling and uh, migration of the cells and all these different types of things in embryology with, um, that can go haywire, which is why, you know, not every baby is born normal, um, but we love them anyway. And, uh, and yeah, so stem, stem cells are very interesting and can do a lot of things. The, the fear, you know, a lot of people are like, well, gosh, my you know, X, Y, or Z isn't working right. So why can't you just put a stem cell in and it can become that thing? Um, so sometimes when you put a stem cell in, you can't tell it what to become and it will become something else. Or it's lost some of that ability to uh, regulate itself and it can become cancerous. So it is, it's something that's a little bit more serious than just, you know, let's try a stem cell. Um, you have to be, has to be very, well thought out and very carefully done. Mm, okay. I always thought they were just like, uh, you know, little superhero cells that are out there, you know, saving the day. Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. Um, okay. I wanted to, I had one last question for you before that I was going to, I think I said earlier in the podcast, I think you said it right. I'm, Sure you did, but my lack of understanding. I think I said DNA is made up of amino acids. It's just not made up of DNA of amino acids. It's made up of nucleotides, which and the code, the order, the way that the DNA is organized. Then that is how it then builds amino acids for the protein. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so the the DNA is made up of nucleotides, and I may have misspoke as well because they sound very similar. Right. And then the nucleotides will code. They um they have like little keys on them that pair up with an amino acid, and they basically tell you what order of amino acids to put together to make specific types of proteins. Okay, I think you probably said that, but I was unclear. I think at one point I distinctly said amino acids make up DNA. So we try to get things right on learning from a layman, even if I'm the one saying them um, incorrectly. So (laughs) one last question, Johnny, uh, at least from me. Uh, Well, so I guess this is general, also just a PSA. Like, so you'd imagine that DNA seems like it's outside of your control. And so uh, things like cancer seem like they're outside of your control, and obviously, to some degree, they are. It's not, uh, um, uh, your DNA probably predisposes you for you know particular types of cancer, but there are lots of environmental things that go into what happens to your DNA as well. And you can, you know, well, I think, an example a lot of people know of is radioactive you know, being around radioactive waste or something like that that's going to compromise the uh, dna inside your cells potentially but there's more than just that right the things that you eat the the way that you treat your body also does influence what's happening inside with your dna and so uh, you can be hurting your dna in a way that will then result in cancer am i getting that more or less right johnny yeah yeah um i mean if you do have rate like radioactive waste for a brain like Tim. Um, <laughs> Which you can say now because Tim's here. Before Tim got here, we can't um, slight Tim, but Tim has now joined us, so now fair game. Um, the, yeah, I, and and, uh, and I, after all the Marvel movies <laughs> I've seen, I am pleased to have radioactive waste for a brain. Okay. <laughs> uh, that confirms that Tim is a Tim. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, yeah, there's things in the environment that play a role in how your DNA is expressed, how it's repaired, how it's used. And, um, and yeah, the better you treat your body, um, the better your DNA will be able to take care of you and that type of a thing. And, yeah, there are environmental things that can cause cancers. There are things that can cause your DNA not to be repaired in the way that it's supposed to be and can mutate. Um, I think one of the biggest ones you, you could talk about is smoking. You know, smoking has been linked to lots of different types of cancers. Now, there are people that are very susceptible to lung cancer because of their underlying genetic code. But if they smoke cigarettes, I think that that will, you know, like more times than not, that can tip them over the edge. So you just, you know, and a, right. a lot of women... Um, will get breast cancer in their life. Um, a lot of men will get prostate cancer. And there's certain things that you can do to try to, uh, you know, try to keep your body healthy. And, um, you know, there's a lot of benefits of exercise and <clears throat> eating, you know, as eating a good diet and things like this that are still being studied. And we don't really know how it works, but we do know that those people have decreased rates of cancer and, um, you know, depression and, you know, all sorts of things, um, just from trying to, um, keep your body healthy. Right. Yeah. So eat your vegetable fruits and vegetables, and you could actually be helping your DNA 
much. So five, it's, five a day. You heard it from a pediatrician. There you go. <laughs> uh, awesome. Okay. Well, that brings me to the end of my questions. Uh, Matt hasn't said anything in this podcast. Tim just joined us. Cameron's asked a couple here and there. Uh, any final questions for Dr. Johnny? Sweet. I guess I made it really clear. That's right. Yeah, I think there's nothing further that we can learn about DNA right now. <laughs> covered it all. How do I uh, get my kids to eat their five a day? You can't. That's pre. That's decided by your DNA. So outside of your control. Uh, is, is our moderator happy that he is not genetically tied to eating his siblings? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yes, there's uh, lots of genetic uh, material that you uh, that as families you share and sometimes you wish you didn't share. But um, hey, I, you know what? I'll take I had always been told growing up that male pattern baldness came from your mother's father. And so you just look at your your maternal grandfa- grandfather and that's your hair future. And I'm grateful to say that I, for all of my other faults, still have a full head of hair. Uh, and my grandpa, what, my mom's dad, was bald by the time he was like 24. So uh, take that, DNA. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little more complicated than that. But <laughs> Anyway, um, thanks, Johnny. Uh, I think it was a good uh, introduction to... Um, to DNA and uh, we will um, ask everyone to let us know if you have any additional questions and we'll be back again next podcast. Thanks.